I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. Well, one more time, welcome. We are glad that you are worshiping with us today. We are excited for the ability to continue uh, our series on the book of Galatians. And so whether you are here in person or maybe you're just joining us online, I want to say welcome. If you haven't done this already, I want to encourage you to go ahead and fill out your digital connect card. Uh, You can do that just by texting the word river to 715-953-4060. If you're part of our online service, you can click on the connect button and you'll be able to fill out your information the same way. Uh, And just, again, want to encourage you to do that. And if you're new here, you can fill out that and put your mailing address and we're going to send you a gift. And so we are continuing the series. We started a few weeks back looking at the book of Galatians. This is actually our last week. I know you're, you're sad. It's like parting with an old friend, uh, but uh, we're, we're, we're looking forward to what this series has left to teach us. And we, we've been going through this uh, process of seeing Paul as he is addressing this church. If this is your first time joining us, or uh, maybe you got a, a bad short-term memory and you don't remember where we've been so far, let me give you a quick recap of where we've been. Basically, this letter was written by the Apostle Paul. It was written to a group of churches, actually one of the first group of churches that he helped to plant on his first missionary journey. And he went to this area called Galatia. And in that area, he planted several churches. And he had especially great success when it came to sharing the gospel with the Gentiles in the region of Galatia. So much so that when they accepted freedom in Christ, the Jewish people became jealous. They said, it's not right for you to worship a Jewish Messiah if you're not Jewish. And so a group came behind Paul And began to teach the Galatians that it's great that you've accepted Christ. Now, you need to accept everything about Judaism. Because you can't worship a Jewish Messiah if you yourself are not Jewish. So, you need to be circumcised. You need to eat kosher. You need to dress like us. You need to act like us if you really want the freedom that Christ offers. Which, obviously, is a total twisting of the gospel. And as sad as it was back then, the truth is we still deal with it today. We still deal with people who try to say, if you're really a Christian, you're going to do this. If you're really a Christian, you're going to act this way. If you're really a Christian, you're going to vote this way. If you're really a Christian, you're going to have this stance on masks or that stand on vaccines. And the truth is, we have to be careful what we're adding to the gospel. We have to be careful because anything we do jeopardizes the purity that we can be saved by faith, by grace alone. And so we looked at how he was inviting everyone. That it didn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile. It didn't matter if you were circumcised or if you were uncircumcised. It didn't matter your lineage. It didn't matter where you came from. Everyone was welcomed into the gospel. Then we learn that we all have a path toward leadership. That all of us can take this gospel and use what God has given us to proclaim this goodness to everyone. That no one is excluded from taking this gospel to all people. And that our willingness to sacrifice is one of the most important things about us. Our willingness to choose to be crucified with Christ is what gives us the power to proclaim this message. That we're saying it's not about us, it's not about what we do, it's not about how we interact with the gospel, it's about Christ empowering us through Him. It's that we we have a response, but our response is not what saves us. Our response is simply 
an act of gratitude for God who loved us so much. And we learned how one of the reasons we have this freedom is because we've been adopted. It's not because we earned it, it's because God said, I want you to be a part of our family. And then Christ sealed that adoption through his work so that we don't have to add anything. But that leaves us with a question. How do we access this? How do we live this out? How do we actually have freedom every day? Because like I mentioned last week, we've been freed, but it's very easy to fall back in. It's very easy to step back into the things that used to enslave us. So how do we live in freedom every day? And so for our our last look at the book of Galatians, we're going to be talking about freedom in spirit. Because I believe what Paul is trying to teach through this message, through this book, is that if you want the freedom that comes from Christ, that you need to accept it purely on the basis of what He has done, and then you need to allow the Spirit, not the law, to guide your life. One thing I love about the Midwest, this is, this is farmland, right? This is, this, is, uh, this is the heart of the country. We're, we're the ones feeding the country, right? I mean, that's, I, I grew up in South Dakota. I grew up from a proud history of farmers and ranchers. And, and, and I'm just here to tell you, I'm not that. Like, I, I've fallen so far from that family tree. Like, I don't like animals. Okay, I should, I should preface that. I don't mind animals. I don't, just don't like caring for them. They're, they're stinky and they smell and I don't like cleaning up after them. And, and I don't like the fact that I have to think about chores of feeding them. I mean, it just, I mean I, it's just not my favorite thing. And then when it comes to planting stuff, ugh. Like, I... I love, I love the vegetables. Fran, thank you for the corn you, you send our way. I mean, I, I love the, the, the different things that we get to enjoy. We just, we just got some amazing Georgia peaches in. Um, just, I love Georgia peaches. And so, like, I, I love the produce. I love the fruit. I just, I hate the actual act of farming, the actual act of gardening. Like, we had a garden one time when we were first married, and I basically have vowed I will never do it again. Like, it just, it's just too much work. Yeah, it is too much work. Um, there, there's just such delicious produce right across the street that I'm like, okay, no, 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 don't hate me. I know there's some of you, I, I'm looking at some of you, I know you guys, you've got amazing gardens and I love you guys and that's why I hang out with you because I'm hoping to get some of that amazing produce fresh from your vines. But, but the thing is, it's just, it's just not something I enjoy doing because fruit takes work. And the truth of it is, though, that when it comes to spiritual fruit, it's not about us. It is about the Spirit. And the Spirit is the one doing the work, but sometimes we are the ones getting in the way. Sometimes we try to get in and and try to fix what the Spirit is doing. And so today... I want to I challenge you with this. If you're not seeing fruit, you may need to check your roots. You may need to check who you're allowing to tend your garden. If you don't pay attention to your roots, you will never see fruit. But I want to challenge you this morning that you don't do it in your own strength. Because that's exactly what Paul is teaching. It's not about our works. It's about listening to the Spirit and living in step with Him. And so we are one more time going to open the book of Galatians. One more time, we're going to read a very large portion. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed this. Obviously, this is not what we normally do, but I I felt for this series that we should be keeping these Scriptures in context. I've been challenging us that as a Christian church in America especially, we have a tendency to read very small portions of Scripture. We take them out of context and we we read them by ourselves. For this series, I wanted to take some time and take very large portions of Scripture, read them 
in context and read them together. And then I'm hoping that you're taking my advice and going home and talking with this about with your family. That you're taking time and digesting this together and, and trying to think through how does this apply to us? How does this apply to our family? How does this apply to my life group? How does this apply to my circle of friends? And so that, that's the challenge for us today. And so this one is a little bit shorter than last week. So you're welcome. And I'm not going to read. I, I, I was tempted. Maybe we should just read through the whole book. No, we're not going to do that. We're just going to read through the last portion here. And so we're going to start in Galatians chapter 5. And I'd invite you to stand if you're able to, if you're willing to, um, stand for the reading of God's Word. And again, this is going to be a longer passage. So halfway through, if you need to sit down, get a snack, get back up, uh, we're, we're okay with that. That's totally fine. Uh, but uh, let's go ahead and read through Galatians 5, 16 through the end of the book, chapter 6, verse 18. And so this is how it reads out of the New Living Translation. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting against each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not conduct ourselves, or let us not become conceited or provoke one another to be jealous of one another. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share one another's burden. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of what is a, well, a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we, who are, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers. Share all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You, are, you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from this, that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So, don't, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Therefore, Whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. 
Notice what large letters I use to write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those of you who are trying to force, those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interests in this world have been crucified and the world's interests in me have also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live with this principle. They are the new people of God. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. For I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're speaking to us. Thank you for what you're trying to communicate to us about freedom. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Change hearts. Transform lives. Help us to be people who live to please you so that our lives will bring glory to God. We love you. We praise you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Before you see it, why don't you wave to a person or two. If you're online, uh, let us know you're here. Let us know where you're worshiping from. So, I, I am, I'm in a real predicament here because here's the thing. These last couple of passages that we just read through, I, I could probably spend weeks just on each one. Like, there, there's just so, so much in here. And so, this is going to be kind of like drinking from a fire hydrant today. I do apologize for that. Um, I, I, hope, I hope you have some excitement for what the Spirit of God is trying to speak to us. But let, let, let's go ahead and see this, because here's the thing. I believe what we're about to read is the key. That if you're struggling, if you're trying to figure out how do I live as a Christian, here it is. You submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. You allow Him to guide you. And so the first thing that I want to look at is the fruits of the Spirit. Now, if you grew up in church, this is something you probably have heard of before. You probably, if you're old enough, you had the flannel graph with, with the little, you know, you know, apples and grapes and whatever else that they were putting up there. One said peace, one said joy, you know, and, and, and you had all of that teaching. Maybe you've even memorized the fruit of the Spirit. But what I'm afraid of is that we're so used to hearing the term that we don't take the seriousness of what's being taught here to heart. And we're not applying what Paul is telling us to apply because we just think, oh, here's some good attributes we should add to ourselves. And that's not what he's saying at all. So let's see what Paul is saying by the fruits of the Spirit and, and how this comes about in our lives. First thing we see in verse 16 is he says, let the Holy Spirit guide you. That if you want fruit... You have to be guided by the Holy Spirit. That if He guides your life, you will see great things. He goes on to say in that same verse, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Somehow we think that if we want to be good people, if we want to break chains off our lives, if we want to have healing, that it's all about us. That if I just try harder, if I just discipline myself more, if I just you know, 
go into this program, or if I just do this, then I'm going to be great. And I'm all for discipline, and I'm all for getting the help you need, especially if you're in a very life-controlling addiction or something that's spinning in your life that you can't stop. Get help. But also recognize you will never be righteous. You will never have power over these things as long as you only do it in your own strength. You have to allow yourself to say, Holy Spirit, this is bigger than I can handle. Help me to understand what I need to do. Help me, guide me. And we turn these things over to the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say in verse 18 that when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Here's what I have learned. God gave the law, and and there's important principles in there, especially the moral law. But when the Spirit came, the people who lived by the Spirit gave so much more than people who were obligated under law. The law said you have to tithe, and you have to do this, and you have to do that. The early church that was empowered by the Spirit It said they gave up everything. Anybody who was in need, they sold their own possessions so that those other people's needs could be met. Not that we don't care about the Old Testament law, but if all you do is follow those regulations, you're not being led by the Spirit. I believe the Spirit is going to lead you deeper. The Spirit is going to lead you farther. That that you're going to be directed in such a way that you're going to see His power on display simply because you're stepping out and doing what He's telling you to do. And now here's the thing. This is super simple, right? Just be directed by the Holy Spirit. But it's one of the hardest things you will ever do. And it's something that you're going to have to continually cultivate continually go back to. You're going to have to keep going back and saying, Holy Spirit, lead me. This is not something you pray today and you're covered. This is something you pray every day. Matter of fact, it's what I pray every morning and maybe five minutes later and then after I yell at my kids and then after someone cuts me off in traffic, I still, it's something I have to pray every day. Holy Spirit, fill me. I don't want to give in to my own sinful desires. And the only way I'm going to have that strength is if I'm continually going back and recognizing that I'm dependent on Him, that I'm dependent on His Spirit, that no good work can happen in me unless I'm connected to Him. And He said, if we're not, the results are pretty obvious. And he goes through this big, long, ugly list of terrible things that if you are being controlled by your own sinful nature, you're going to give in to all these things. And we read through that list, and it was an awful list, right? Like, you you can say, man, these are terrible things. I don't want to do these things. And you may look at that list and go, man, I'm covered. I don't do any of those things. I'm covered. I'm good. But then he throws in this this other clause in, in, in verse 11, or 21, sorry. He says, and other sins like these. So if you looked at that list and said, I'm good, I'm good, I'm, the Holy Spirit's got a hold of me. He said, and other sins like these. So you, your, your particular hang-up may not be in that list. But all of us are struggling with something. I find it interesting that he lumps together things like immorality, idolatry, sorcery. I'm looking around the room. I don't see a lot of sorcerers. Maybe I'm wrong, but if you're here, please don't let me know. Uh, but, but anyway, I, th- these are things that we probably don't struggle with. But in that same group, he puts together outbursts of anger, selfishness, envy. I don't know about you, but I deal with at least one of those from time to time. And, and what he's saying is, if you live this way, now understand if you lose your temper, you yell at your kids, it's not a great thing, but it's not going to disqualify you from inheriting the kingdom of God. But it's when you allow your life to be controlled by those things. 
when you don't keep coming back to the Holy Spirit, when you ignore His gentle pushes on your heart to say, you need to live higher than that. You need to live better than that. That's when we separate ourselves and we become addicted to a lifestyle that is separated from the Spirit's guiding. But he says, the Holy Spirit will produce these kinds of fruit. And this is where we need to pause for a moment. And the list up here should be pretty familiar to you, right? You, you, you've probably read this. You maybe haven't memorized that, that we're supposed to be people of love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That, that all of these things are things that we are supposed to be producing. But when we put this list on the wall, the thing that we often overlook is the very first thing it says. But the Holy Spirit will produce these things. I don't know about you, but when I read it, what I often try to think is that Gerald is going to produce love and joy and peace. That if I'm really a Christian, that I'm going to have self-control and patience and kindness. But then that's Gerald's fruit. And like I said, I'm not a good farmer. And my, my fruit comes out pretty bitter and twisted and wrong. If we want good fruit, we have to realize it's the Holy Spirit. You have to begin to recognize that if you want love in your life, if you want joy, if you want peace, it's not your fruit. It's not your fruit. You can't produce it in your own strength. Sure, you can produce something that looks like it, but it will fade and it will not satisfy. But if you want real fruit, you have to choose to say, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. It's that continually going back, say, Holy Spirit, I can't produce this. Please, I'm struggling with joy. Please produce joy in my life. Please, I'm, I'm struggling with self-control. I need that fruit. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me again. I need more of you today. And it's that constant recognition that we're going back because it's not our fruit, it's His. It says, for those who belong to Christ have nailed their sinful nature to the cross. We're saying, we're not trying to please that anymore. We're trying to please the Holy Spirit. And that when we follow Him in every part of our lives, that we will see this fruit produced. Now, when He says every part of our lives, He's not saying every part necessarily. You don't have to stand in front of your sock drawer and say, Holy Spirit, lead me. I don't know if I should wear the red socks or the, or the gray socks today. I mean, that's, it's not that kind of stuff, but in the important things, in our relationships, in, in the decisions we make, in the decisions we make about our entertainment, the decisions we make about what we're going to say or not say to people. Every part of our lives, we need to make sure we're following the Holy Spirit. That, I mean, it's so easy just to go through our lives and say, God bless what I'm doing. A better approach is to say, God, help me to see what you want me to do. That I could be blessed. Let me be blessed because I'm following you. And the truth is, when you begin to produce fruit, there is going to be things that are going to come out of it. Good things. But there's also going to be opportunities for disputes. And so, quickly, I want to talk about disputes of the Spirit. we got fruits of the Spirit. Paul also deals with disputes of the Spirit. He says in, in verse 1 of chapter 6, if someone enters into sin, that we should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. That we're obligated to come up to people that we, we see who are sinning and say, hey, let's, let's make sure that you're on the right track. And I think the key words here are humbly and gently. I mean, we, we, can, we can go all 
Westboro Baptists and stand in front of people and yell at them and scream at them and tell them that they're going to hell and tell them that they're sinners and tell them that they're awful and tell them that their breath stinks and tell them all these things and tear them down. The Spirit says we're to do it humbly and gently. That That we're to take care. And also, that we're to do it for our own good and we're to make sure that we're not trying to compare ourselves to other people. We don't look down at them because they're falling into sin and we don't look up to other people and say, well, they're better than I am, so I'll never get there. In verse 4, he says, pay careful attention to your own work. Then you will be satisfied. Facebook generation needs to see this. The Instagram people need to read this one. That It's so easy to compare our lives to people's Instagram perfect lives. That we we compare ourselves to the the spotlight people put on their greatest accomplishments. We're supposed to compare ourselves to Christ. He's perfect, we're not. And that's why we keep going back and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. And we don't compare ourselves to others. For each of us is responsible for our own conduct. We are to be people to say, I'm going to help you when I can, but my job is not to try to say I'm better than you or that I'm not as good as that person. I'm to do what God has called me to do. I mean, it's easy to say, well, I'm not as gifted as that person or I I don't feel like I can... I can do the things that that Christian does. Fine. What are you called to? How are you supposed to live? And let God develop that in you. But this all brings us back to the roots of the Spirit. If you want the Holy Spirit to control you, if you want the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you, you have to make sure your roots are right. You have to make sure that they're in the right soil, that they're connecting to the right things. Or you will never produce fruit. Anna and Winnie were repotting some plants this week. And they took one one out and there was just little kind of scraggly roots from one of the plants. And Winnie in her eight-year-old perceptiveness looked at that and said, Mom, those roots may be small, but they're still important. Let me tell you, if you compare yourself to other people, maybe you're not where that person is spiritually. But even your small roots are important. And what you do to cultivate them, what you do to actually produce through the Spirit has a lot to do with what you're putting in your soil, what you're, what you're putting there. Are you putting good things in there for the Spirit to work with? Or are you putting sinful things in there that the Spirit has to root out? In verse 7, it says, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. If you put bad things in the soil, bad things are going to come out. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. Sometimes when you sow to the sinful nature, it may take years. But you will produce a harvest. Now by God's grace, sometimes we don't have to eat that fruit. Sometimes He spares us from the full weight of our sinful desires and and the bad decisions we've made in the past. But just because you're getting away with it today, don't think you will get away with it forever. We all have to be making sure we are putting the right things in our soil because we will harvest. This is not a, a message about, oh, you better watch out what you're doing. It's what kind of fruit do you want? What kind of fruit do you want to produce? Because what you put in your soil will determine that. If you want decay and death, then you sow into your sinful nature. But those who please the Spirit will have a harvest of everlasting life. And I love verse 9. It's one of my favorites. But I think we have to keep it in context. This is one that people like to say all the time. But the context here is we're submitted to the Holy Spirit. It says, 
Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. If we don't give up what? Living to please the Spirit. Being directed and guided by Him. This is not a work harder, work harder, work harder thing. This is a rest more, rest more, rest more in what the Spirit alone can produce. Not that we don't add something. Not that we don't contribute. Because we do. We are supposed to be trying to live this out. And we're supposed to be experimenting with each other. That we are to be looking for ways to allow the Spirit to move in us and through us by the way we treat each other. It says whenever we have opportunity, we should do good for everyone. Especially those in the family of faith. So I want you to look at your neighbor for a moment. Look to your other neighbor. Say, I'm sorry, you're my second class or my second choice. To, but but I, want, I want you to recognize the people you are sitting next to, you are called to exercise the Spirit by doing good things for them. That part of what we are called to do is to bless each other. That, that we are to look for ways to bless each other. And that by doing that, that's how we learn the Holy Spirit. That's how we learn to listen to Him. When He gives us a nudge, hey, this person really needs a word of encouragement today. Rather than saying, well, that, they probably do. You pick up the phone. They still work, you know, like you can, you can dial a number and you can sometimes get somebody on the other end of the line. But if not, leave them an encouraging voicemail or send them a text message or send them an email or we're a small enough community, you can go, probably go knock on their door. You know, that, that it, but listen. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And as you practice that with each other, you will get some more boldness when the Holy Spirit says, okay, now do this for your coworker. Now do this for the neighbor two doors down who keeps cussing you out because you're not mowing your lawn. Now do this for those college students who are always drinking on that corner. It's through this practice of saying, Holy Spirit, lead me, and then actually doing what He tells you to lead. That's when we begin to see this cultivated. And so, the moral is, if we want this life, we have to be submitted to the Holy Spirit. We have to allow... Him to, to produce in us. And it's not about what we do, but it is about us following His prompting. And, and He has already given us some things that we need to do to cultivate that soil. Things like prayer. Things like fasting. Things like spending time in His Word. And I'm so excited for the series we have coming up because we're going to talk about just that. We're going to talk about how to cultivate some of that soil through spiritual habits. But my goal for you today is not to say, okay, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do that, and then you're going to have the spiritual life you want. That's me replacing the Holy Spirit. I want you to spend some time today and simply ask, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Help me to find joy as I find time in prayer because I'm leaning on you. Help me to find joy when I open my word. Not because I'm trying to get through a Bible plan or not because I'm trying to keep my streak going on the version app. But because I want to spend time with you. I, 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 want, I want the word to come alive because I'm in connection with the one who wrote it. That's when this becomes less duty and more relationship. That's when it's not as hard and it's more the rhythm of love and life. So, Paul ends the book by saying this. Remember, he's talking to a group of people who are feeling ostracized. He's talking to a group of people who feel like they're not full citizens of the kingdom because they're not sure whether they should be circumcised or not. They're not sure if they're supposed to be following the law of Moses or not. And he, 
And he's used this book to say, you're all brothers and sisters. Whether you have been circumcised and you're a Jew by birth, whether you are someone who has been circumcised as a Gentile and you've entered in, or whether you're not circumcised, you're still welcome. And he talks to these three groups. The Jews, who were Jews by birth, who were always called the brethren. He talked to the Gentiles who converted, who were called the children of Abraham. And he talked to the Gentiles who were not converted to Judaism. And he called them the God-fearers. And this whole message was to them, to the God-fearers, because they felt like they were outside. But then in verses 15 and 16, he, he kind of gently and lovingly says, you are a part of the family. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter whether you have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May the God of peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. He gives a totally different category. He says, you don't need to be circumcised. It doesn't matter. It's not, are you part of this line? Are you part of that line? Are you part of this group? Part of that group? If you follow the Spirit, you are the new people of God. You are the ones who are being transformed. You are the new creation. Live in that identity. Don't try to live up to an identity that's trying to be forced upon you. Live up to the identity that you have in Christ through this new creation. And then he ends with this verse. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Amen. This again is one of those places where, I mean, I geeked out a little bit when I went to the Greek. Now, I recognize not all of you are as excited about this. And, um, and, and may, I was sharing this with somebody and they just looked at me like I was crazy. So, so maybe it's just me that gets excited about this. But when I went to the Greek translation, it reads differently. It actually reads, may the grace of our Lord Jesus be May the grace of our Lord be with you, brothers. This whole time, he's been trying to convince them that they're part of the family. The last thing, the last word, other than amen, in the book of Galatians is brothers. The last thing he is letting them know, you are family. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or you're not. If you are following the Spirit, your brothers, your sisters, you are family. Amen. Let's live that way. Let's live in such a way where anybody who walks into this church, anybody who walks into our lives, senses that they're invited, senses that they're a part of the family, even if they don't quite believe yet, they would undeniably recognize they're welcome, they're loved, and they're invited to be a part of it. That they wouldn't feel like there's different classes, different levels. That you're a really good Christian if you're doing this, and you're an okay kind of Christian if you're doing that, but if you're doing this, eh... I'm not sure we want you in the same section of our row as, as us. Let's be people who invite everyone in. And we all are on level ground because all of us are sinners. All of us are getting this wrong. All of us have areas in our lives that we need more of the Holy Spirit. And none of us gets to stand up here proud, oh, I've got it figured out. Because then you've got to deal with that. Then the Holy Spirit has to say, ah, oh, you got that pride thing we, we got to work on now. But that we're constantly going back and we recognize, we're, you know, as Pentecostals, we're not better 
because we have the Holy Spirit. We're not better because we invite people into this experience. We're just more attuned to the fact that we're not good enough without Him. We are not strong enough. We're not smart enough. I mean, some of you get pretty close, I'm, I'm, I'm saying. But, but none of us will ever make it in our own merits. We need His presence. We need His Spirit. So with that, I'm, I'm going to invite our worship team back up. And I'm going to invite you to pray that you would take this opportunity to, right where you're at, ask the Holy Spirit to fill you again. Ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life. And so, I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to give an opportunity for those who may be in this room or those who may be watching online, that if you haven't accepted Christ, you can do that today. And then after that, I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to pray to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you. As a matter of fact, we're going to, during our worship time, we're going to have some of our members of our prayer teams. If you need prayer for anything, for, for healing, for, for deliverance, for more of the Spirit, come find one of these prayer partners and just let them pray with you. I believe we will begin to see more miracles the more we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, the more we say, Holy Spirit, come into this place. Be a part of who I am. Be a part of what I'm doing. And so, why don't we all stand and and prepare our hearts for this moment? Prepare your heart for what the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. Let Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your freeing word. We thank you that you have sent your servant, Paul, to write down these words that 2,000 years later we can still recognize that there is freedom in you alone. And I pray for anyone who is struggling in this room, anyone who is connecting with us online who feels like they are broken, who feels like they are not a part of your grace, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd meet them right there. That they would sense your hand on them. That they would recognize that you love them just as they are. And that you are calling them to live a life that's full of your presence, that leads them away from their brokenness, that leads them away from their own desires, to see a life full of fruit, full of the fullness of God. So Holy Spirit, I give you permission to move in my life. And I I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice would make that same choice. And if you're here, if you're connecting with us online, and you're recognizing you, you need Jesus. You've never accepted him as your Lord. You don't even know what it is to live this life. I pray that you would make a bold step in this moment, that you would pray a simple prayer. You can pray this out loud. You can pray it in the quietness of your heart. You can use my words. You can use your own. But I encourage you to pray something simple like this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. Please forgive me of my sins, of the different ways in which I've hurt myself and others and even you. I'm turning away from that sinful nature and I'm turning to follow after you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Help me to live for Jesus every day. God, I thank you for this new life. Today you have mine. As I pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you're in this room, come find one of our prayer partners. If you're online,
connect with the online button there that says I've accepted Christ or send us an email or a Facebook message. We want to make sure you have the resources to live this full life. We're going we're to sing one more song. Like I said, we're going to have a couple of our prayer team members go to some different corners here in this room. And if you need more of the Holy Spirit or if you just need anything, come find them. But I want to encourage all of you that you don't leave this place without seeking more of the Holy Spirit. And so I, if you're comfortable, I just, I'd encourage you just to place your hands in a position like this, like you're, you're getting ready to receive. And if you want the Holy Spirit, I want you just to pray a simple prayer. I want you just to say, Holy Spirit, fill me. And listen, I don't know what that's going to look like for you, but let me tell you what I've seen in the past. Those of you who've experienced the Holy Spirit, He may do a new thing in you. If, if you've never experienced the Holy Spirit working in your life, we believe in our church in something called baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we believe that one of the evidences of that is you may begin to speak in an unknown language. And I, I would just, I would encourage you not to be frightened by that. If that happens to you, come find one of us. We'll help explain that to you. Or if that's something you, you crave, please come find one of our prayer partners. They would love to lead you in that prayer that you could have more of the fullness of the Spirit. But no matter where you're at, I'd encourage you, seek more of Him. So let me just begin by praying that. Then we're going to let team lead. If you want to just keep praying that over yourself, great. If you want to join in in the words, great. But let's all just start by just simply saying, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, Fill me.